Welcome to Sudden Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, on this Wednesday edition of the podcast. Uh, it is 9.30 in the morning here in Charlotte, North Carolina, Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. Uh, back at it with some MMA breakdowns for the fights coming up this weekend in U- the UFC Apex and breaking down a little bit more news that happened over the past two days since Monday. Um, other than that, not much going on with me, just, you know, continuing life as it is that, let's see what's going on. Um, so today, like I said, we're going to go over, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. That's going on this weekend, June 20, whatever, um, you can find everything on the about the podcast on SouthernScrapNation.com, as well as going to our Facebook, Instagram, and the 27th of June, uh, as well as our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Southern Scrap Nation. And then on top of that, you can go to Southern Scrap Nation on all your listening devices and apps, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, bullshit, or ugh, podcast app. Sorry, I read bullshit here. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so let's go ahead and get into the news before we break down the fights. Uh, That being said, what I saw on BJPenn.com as I'm sitting here looking things over. uh, Jeff Neal frustrated by long UFC layoff, back serving at Texas Texas Steakhouse. It's bullshit. I need to get paid. That's crazy to me because Jeff Neal's in the States, so there shouldn't be any reason why he couldn't get a fight. Uh, I'll tell you who I've been trying to fight. I've been trying to fight Michael Chiesa. He's in the States as well. There's no reason why he can't fight. And Santiago Ponzinibbio, a little bit difficult. He's in Argentina, and he's not fought in forever as well. I don't know all the details, whether or not they've been offered a contract or whatever. Um, yeah. He hasn't been able to do... He had to start working again right after the whole COVID thing. Um, I'm actually back at Texas Steakhouse. I can't do moxies anymore. The 2 or 3 o'clock in the mornings is what kills me. I'm a server right now. That's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I'd love to see him fight again. He's great. Uh, he had that impressive Mike Perry knockout. Uh, that being said, he needs he needs to start fighting these top guys at at welterweight. Everyone's hyped up on him being this dark horse of the division, and he possibly could be. But at the same time, getting a fight with a guy like Santiago or uh, Michael Chiesa, yeah, Michael Chiesa is kind of in the same spot as he is. But Michael Chiesa being a veteran of the sport, it would show his evolution and being able to deal with a really high-level guy, especially in grappling. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I'd love to see. Uh, I like watching Jeff Neal fight, so get him a fight, especially welterweight, man. Welterweight is crazy. And it's crazy that they didn't put him on the on the fight card coming up that has the welterweight ba- uh, matchup between Usman and Burns. I don't know how many welterweight fights are on that card. We're about to find out. But 
I feel like they're doing a disservice if there's not many. Yeah, I mean, it's women's stuff first. Uh, okay, so. Okay, you have... It's crazy that uh, uh, Zaleski Dos Santos has a fight at welterweight. But yet, this guy, Jeff Neal, struggling. They've only other, got one other welterweight fight. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing on how, on why he's back to where he's at and hasn't been able to pick up a a fight. I want to. That's the, okay. I think that's it. Damn that. The UFC Fight Night 174 is stacked. Main event stacked. Listen to this. Listen to this main event. Robo Whitaker versus Darren Till. Then you have Shogun versus uh, Nogera. I think Little Nog. Um, welterweight, you got uh, Cowboy Oliveira versus Peter Shabata. Then you have a heavyweight for Bruce Silver Doom versus Alexander Gustafson. And then you have Danny Roberts versus Nicholas Dalby. In a welterweight fight. See, you could have put Jeff Neal in there. Um, that's fucking crazy. Actually, it's a uh, it's the Fight Island, so I don't know how possible that would have been. Eh, probably possible. All right, back to the back to the news. I guess we'll talk about it. Michael or uh, John Jones calls out Mike Tyson to fight because Mike Tyson's been putting up videos of him training. I'm looking great. He looks great. However, the issue I have with it is, and people's people are like, "Oh, Mike Tyson would fuck John Jones up in a boxing match," and John's like, "I'll fight you in boxing, but you have to give me an MMA fight in return." It's like, okay, John probably won't lose as bad in boxing as Tyson would lose as bad in MMA. On top of that, listen, folks. They cut together a good clip of him hitting mitts. Do you think a 50-year-old Mike Tyson can do that for a solid 12 rounds? Oh, Mike doesn't need 12 rounds. A good boxer is going to make him go 12 rounds. Um, you might not get that from John Jones. He definitely might TKO him or knock him out. Who knows? But you're going to have to get – I mean, you'd have to get past uh, – it's just the, the age factor. But I also don't want to see that fight. To me, that's not, that's like a, that's like whatever. Like an Nganu versus Mike Tyson, that's way crazier and worth watching as a fight. Because um, it's power for power. This is like trying to get the equivalent of a JV version of, and when I mean JV, I mean, I mean JV level version of Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali. You just want a really tall guy. And in order to do that, you'd have to do Mike Tyson versus Tyson Fury. And that would be, like, the now embodiment of that fight. Tyson Fury would fuck Mike Tyson up. Someone tried to bring this up at the gym the other day. And they're like, Mike Tyson now and Tyson Fury. Thank God Tyson Fury's got a two-fight deal signed with uh, signed with um, Anthony Joshua right now. Because that idea is dumb. Like I said, watching Mike Tyson hit the mitts for a minute on your phone is great. 
But to go 12 rounds with any professional boxer at 50, he's definitely incredible. And he doesn't look like he's lost a step. It's, there's just, it's just different. It's different. It's just hitting mitts. That's what I mean. Like, the pad porn is awesome. I love watching pad porn. You can get people that aren't world champs looking great on mitts. You know who doesn't look great on mitts? John Jones. He looks like shite on mitts. Not in a bad way. Like, his technique's great. But you never see him going, ah, 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 like, doing all that, like, crazy speed, like, all that shit, like, the combinations. And don't get me wrong. Six Guns Gibson can easily do that with anybody. Type in Six Gun Gibson with um, with Carlos Condit. They have like a, they have that great pad porn workout. Having it's like saying, oh, if you can't do reflex bag, you're not a great fighter. Doesn't make any sense because oh man, he's really good at the speed bag, so he must have really fast hands. You're good at the speed bag. It does help you. It's a process that helps you in the ring to develop hand speed and reaction time but it doesn't make you a better boxer I've seen plenty of people like hit a bag hard that have no striking experience it's great looks awesome sounds terrifying but it's not what you can see what they look like and you can see an image of what they might look like in a ring or in a cage you can see their style. You can see the combinations that they've been working. You can see all that kind of the speed, the power. Doesn't necessarily mean, though, it translates. Like, they could easily just hit the ring, and the person on the other side is just, like, better than they are um, on that day, too. You know, it's a very, this sport's very, like, day of it, it all, like, how do you feel that day and how you feel when you step into that that ring octa or whatever it is if you've got a little cold or you know you're so you ate some shit the next the day before and you want to shit your pants all day like you're a human it could be the biggest fight of your life and you could be like groundhogging it have like walking into the octagon oh by the way usc co-headliner josh emmett he said he hyperextended his knee in an interview turns out it was a complete acl tear and like multiple different injuries so Careful out there, folks. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and go to MMA fighting and check out. As far as the fights this weekend, I'm really only going to spend time breaking down the Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. I'll talk about the Mike Perry and Mickey Gall fight. And then everyone else, I t- mentioned them last. Um, I mentioned them last podcast i'll bring up the fights again and i'll tell you which one's definitely to watch but as far as clear breakdown we'll see okay okay let's go sean o'malley claims reebok made over a million dollars on all my merch and i got like three thousand dollars sounds like the deal my friend So for people that don't know, the reason why certain fighters get paid an astronomical amount um, when the the numbers come out, right? 
because everyone's like, how does Showtime make more than Donald Cerrone? Or how does Showtime make more than the headliner? How does Donald Cerrone make more than, or who, how does this one person on the prelims make this much money? How did OSP make the most on one fight card? I'll tell you why. The UFC signed an exclusive sponsorship deal with Reebok, creating a, creating a uniformity in fighter wear to their events. Da, 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 da. It's a tier system. Fighters, 3500 for their first three fights in the UFC. So if you are... Who's a hype train right now? That's only had like a fight. Can't really think. Um, there's a lot of guys that had really quick turnarounds. So anyway, let's say you're a fighter. You're a hype train. You're the Sugar Sean... Let's see. We'll just use we'll just use Sugar as an example because he's the one that we'd be talking about, right? So, in the UFC, his first fight was uh, against Ware. He won a decision. Thirty five hundred dollars from Reebok that night. The Tuesday Night Contender Series doesn't count. The Sukumtot fight, he gets injured. $3,500. From Reebok only. 10% of it goes to your manager. He doesn't have one, so it goes to him. He has to pay his camp. He has to pay whoever else. He got injured in that fight. I don't know if the UFC doctors cover it. Like, one covers it. I hear some bad things about one, too, but... As far as, like, from what I've heard, one covers their, uh, some of their, like, injuries and stuff. I think the UFC covers it. I think it's in their, like, insurance policy. Like, if you get fight injured during the fight, you can get it covered. That's why when people have injuries, when fighters have injuries, they just, like, carry it through the fight. And then when they're done, they're like, oh, I've also got a fucked up shoulder. And it happened in the fight. And they're like, oh, we can take care of that. It's in our insurance policy. So, for the first three fights, $3,500. UFC fights, 5000 for four to ten fights. So, for six more fights, which in any of those six fights, you could have an easy max rock, uh, the max rock, 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 the guy that was on the stool. I was like, I'm, this isn't for me. Like, fuck this. Like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're only making five grand. So then this is where the Anthony Pettis stuff makes sense. 11th to 12th fight, or 11th to 15th fight, they're making 15 grand per fight. And then 6 to 20, 20,000 for 21 plus fights, and 20,000 for 21 plus fights. So if you have to accumulate, not outside, so not a Khabib, you have to accumulate 21 fights in the organization. At any point, those fights can fuck you up. For the rest of your life, you could have uh, Anderson Silva kind of injury. You could uh, twenty one fights. That's a long time. So, for a guy that's like this is an opportunity, not a career. You know, it sounds like career moves to make career money. And then champions earning forty thousand per fight. Fighters are also compensated a percentage of merchandising sold out, according to the UFC's newest star. That percentage is a far cry from fair. And to be fair, that makes sense. I don't think 
I, you, you, I got royalties if I read it right, which I, I think that's right. Yeah, you got like, you think you'd get like 15%. Listen, the Reebok deal is set to expire this year. The expectation at this point it will be it will not be renewed. Instead, rumors around a new deal negotiated with Nike, Under Armour, and Venom emerging as candidates. Listen, as a fighter, sure you can take one of these deals, but this is where that fighter organization's got to come in. This is where the fighter organization's got to be like, well, what's the deal with these new, like, what's the new deals that they're looking to negotiate with these three things? How does it fuck us? That's the biggest part about it, is it doesn't fuck the UFC at all. As you can see, they went from Reebok, which turned out that they did a bunch with their stuff and made them kind of cool now. At least UFC part of it, like it's become more sports. And now they get a deal with possibly Nike, Under Armour, and Venom. Now, Venom's more of a it's, a, it's a foreign striking brand uh, turned MMA brand, but it's big overseas, huge. So you don't see, like, it's weird that it's being grouped in with Nike and Under Armour, but the Nike and Under Armour is the prime examples, right? You went from Reebok to Nike. They win, and the whole entire time, these fighters are losing, they don't have the sponsorships that were making them twenty five hundred or twenty five thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollars a fight plus whatever contract they had with the UFC. In this situation, yeah, you could have that monster sponsorship. Like I don't know if Sean O'Malley has a monster sponsorship, but there's some fighters that have it and they get paid a little bit extra. But you never see those numbers. Like those are different numbers. But yeah, so. That's why I think these guys, whoa, Anthony Smith criticizes Mac Roskopoff, Roskopoff, Max Roskopoff, Max Roskopoff, corner for not stopping the fight. This isn't a goddamn blood sport. That's what happened to Anthony Smith. For those that don't remember, Anthony Smith handed his teeth to Jason Herzog during his fight because... Glover was putting a beating on him in his fight in his corner wouldn't stop it. Dan Hooker leaning towards Justin Gaethje beating Khabib because he's targeting the winner. So a big uh, thing that came out was there's rumors that DC or that Stipe doesn't want to fight in a smaller ring. I can understand that as being being a heavyweight, but I don't understand why you're making stipulations now. Like, you don't have a choice. I guess they could fly you out to Abu Dhabi, and then you could do your fight there, but at the same time, do it in Florida or something. But regardless, it doesn't matter. Like, you can't have a crowd anyways. So if it logistically makes more sense for a company... When you, now you're talking about production things. See, as a fighter, you're like, I don't want to fight in this cage. Okay, well, now we have a whole team of people that we hired 
to assemble and disassemble the cage and then have to pack it up, send it places. And, like, there's a lot to it. Obviously, if it's an Apex Center, don't even have to worry about it. But if it's in the Apex Center, they're not taking down the cage that's in there and then bringing in a huge cage because you have to then hire people to do that and you have to get the team, put them on hours, and then da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What I'm trying to say is, as a fighter, you can't dictate production. So those two things are separate, and if you're a fighter, you kind of just have to show up and fight. And the bonus of it is, you don't have to set up a whole fucking thing. You don't have to set up a whole promotion. You can just fight. Fighting is way simpler than assembling an octagon and the lighting above it. Right? As much as it is grueling and you need the space as a heavyweight like you can as heavyweights it's like oh man i don't want to be locked that close to another like i need my space like yeah absolutely absolutely you deserve respect and stuff like that oh absolutely but it's production so like do your part and let them do their part i know you're a champion and you have stipulations and stuff like that you don't get to make those anymore we're in a weird time, so you kind of just have to do it. A lot of people are trying to give flack for those that miss weight during coronavirus because it's a weird time. No, you just miss weight. Because cutting weight has nothing to do with the economy. It has nothing to do with the virus. It's just you got to be smart. It's self-responsibility. Or it's like, yeah, it's self-responsibility. Taking, taking responsibility for yourself. Taking accountability. Right? I'm not going to get in a soapbox or anything like that, but y- you got to just take accountability for who you are. If it's missing weight, if it's, oh, man, we're fighting in a smaller cage as a heavyweight, it's my duty to adapt to the situation, not make the situation adapt to me. doesn't make any sense. It's out of your control. You're already not fighting because you're, quote, unquote, volunteering slash working. In the words of Ben Rothwell, the world's not on fire, so... I get that you're volunteering and you're trying to make these stipulations not to fight and do all this stuff. Then don't fight. But you've now, you've now, now you're trying to get people to get back to work on this and the production. Like you're trying to get the production crew to work. You're kind of sidelining Ngannou's life. You're sidelining DC's life, and DC is not getting any younger. So you're as much as you want everything to be perfect in a time where it's not perfect. You just got to adapt to the situation. You can't force things to happen just because you're the champion. Like a champion makes, or, and it's crazy because why am I telling him this? He's the one that made the adapt, uh, adaptations in the middle of his fight against DC and landed 12 nice liver shots to the body and finished the man. Do that, but with life. There. All right, cool. Roxanne Monaferi, I wish people would quit saying I'm blind. I'm just nearsighted. I pass all the exams. That's different. Thank goodness I'm not blind. And then Michael Bisning, talk about rubbing it in, Roxy. Darren Till, dude, he's the man. He's been uh he's been photoshopping his faces onto people. And Ariel Hawani's such a fucking nerd. Dude, he's like, I don't get it on the ESPN's. Shut up, dude. Dude, 
Yeah, you do. You understand what it is. It's just a guy photoshopping his face on people. It's not deep. It doesn't have to be deep. It's just funny. It's a guy who's a fighter making fun of other fighters. And who doesn't do that? Normal people, because they're afraid of getting punched in the face. But Darren Till can do it, and he's one of the best in the world. And it's all like, it's all like inside MMA jokes. So I'm going to assume Ariel Hahn, he doesn't go on Reddit at all. Because these are all killing it. And then Ben Askren does the Askren Bunch, which is great. It's a picture of all the people in the Octagon with, or all the people in the UFC with Afros. Okay. Uh, all right. Julian Arosa versus Sean Woodson. Oh, shit. That changed? Oh, man. Sean Woodson got a real... <laughs> the ultimate fight. He's like an ultimate fighter. Uh, contender. That's crazy. All right. That's your morning report from MMA fighting. How many minutes have we gone? 25. Okay. Cool. cool, cool. Almost, almost there. Almost there. Almost there as in almost going to break this down. Haven't exceeded too much time. Perfect. Okay. Let's go to MMA Junkie, see what the fuck they got going on. Is Blades Rock... Roscopoff's criticism warranted? Wait, what did he say? Should... Dumb. I want to know the critique. What did he say? Maybe we couldn't stand up during his interview. It was crazy. Um, ooh, Zach Cummings versus Alessio DiCherico. August 29th. Zach Cummings, vet. Alessio, Italian kickboxing dude. Let's see, what else? All right, well, let's go ahead and get into talking about the fights then. There's not much else. It's been kind of slow. It's only been a couple of days. Okay. So, uh, UFC fight night, Austin. Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. Um, in this fight, you got the Diamond versus Dan uh, Hangman Hooker. Dustin Poirier coming off of a loss to Khabib in 2019. He hasn't fought in a while. Um, but he looks great. I've seen him online. He's been looking great. As far as going against a high-level kickboxer, I don't really have much information besides the 
Anthony Pettis, but he's not. He's different. Like, there's not a lot of fighters that he's fought that have been like long and rangy, in the way of Dan Hooker, maybe a Joe Duffy, if anything. And Yancey Medeiros was pretty long and yanky, lanky. Um, Connor's the like, but he's awkward in his style. So this is kind of a new realm for uh, for Hangman or for Dustin. As far as uh, Dan Hooker, he's coming off of a hard fought win to Paul Felder, and if that's something that uh, Dustin Poirier can take advantage of it's trying to get him into the later rounds of the five round fight and kind of just like attacking the body right going to the body with his boxing to to zap the energy of Dan Hooker going into the later rounds as far as Dan being a pressure fighter now for Dan I think knees up the middle uh, he's very good with those the hooks the long straights you don't want to get into a boxing match with Dustin so I think throwing knees Every so often, and front kicks up the middle are a good. Um, it's like the Ally Aquinta fight. He's going to have a low boxing stance, so you want to be wary because of the ability to switch stances at a moment's notice and throw power from both left and right hands. At the same time, using linear attacks uh, to set up the to set up the wider attacks, like straights, like uh, like straight left and straight right to feel down the middle, and then in turn that helps set up the knees up the middle or uh, uh, roundhouse kicks if you can get uh, Dustin to start circling left or right. Dan Hooker has surprise, like he's got, he's very technical. I mean, he spars with, what's his name all the time? He spars with uh, Israel all the time. So, you know, he gets reactions from a middleweight champion, K or glory kickboxer. But Dustin, man, he's got this underrated wrestling game on top of our submission. I mean, he's one of the closest guys to ever submit Khabib. And then on top of that, I'm sure his wrestling's on point. He's been doing it forever. He trains with Mako, um, the wrestling bear out of ATT. So there's a potential for Dustin to just, like, Embrace that veteran savvy of his and take it long, drain Dan Hooker, take him to the later rounds, and um, kind of outwork him in a way that Paul Felder couldn't and show the reason why he, could, he's, he deserves to be back in that line to fight the, whoever the champ is against Gaethje or Khabib, and I think that's a great rematch between Ian Gaethje. But for Hooker, man, it's here for him to spoil the party, and I think those knees up the middle is a good way to do so. Um, he just has to be careful of getting pulled into a boxing match. Like Gilbert Burns, they both exchanged left hooks, but Hooker was going forward, and Gilbert's left hook just missed an inch. Um, Dustin's not going to make that same mistake. His boxing is way better than that. And being a veteran, I think, helps a lot in this situation. As far as fight-wise, they're not, they're not too far veteran-wise um, as far as, like, fight numbers. But in the UFC, yeah, Dan Hooker is considered the younger guy. Uh, and then you have Mike Perry versus – okay, wait, let's see the odds.
uh, Dan Hooker. Doesn't Poirier is a favorite? Makes sense, but it's not. It's not bad money to put on Dan Hooker, especially being a plus one seventy five. And then Mike Perry versus Mickey Call. Mike Perry, the favorite. Um, just crazy. I, I kind of am leaning towards Mickey Gall in this fight for the sense of his jiu-jitsu. I think, I think his jiu-jitsu is one of those things where I don't know what Mike Perry's been doing, if he's been training with Jacare or anything like that. But Mickey Gall, man, he is a savage on the ground. And so I could see him just kind of getting it there and getting a submission. Just like... Uh, just like um, what's his name? Just like Cowboy did, right? Mike Perry took him down, and that's the other thing. Having that girlfriend in his corner, I don't know how much tactical advice he's gonna get. But if he accidentally gets on the ground with Mickey Gall, it's not an easy day. It's not an easy day. So it's it wouldn't be a bad idea to pick those two, Hooker and Mickey Gall. They both have a fighting chance, in my opinion. Other than that, fight of the night, probably one of those two. Sean Woodson's fighting uh, Julian Arosa. It's a crazy change up for him. Um, I like watching Sean Woodson. Having this veteran change for Kyle Nelson, we'll see. We'll see. But it would be a good it would be a good test for him if he can get through him, especially if he can finish him. All right, everyone. That's all I have for today's uh, episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It should be a good fight card this weekend. Um, at least the main event and, and co-main event takes place 8 p.m. on ESPN, uh, the main card. So should be a good weekend. I hope you guys enjoy the fights, and I will see you. Or make sure to check out Subscribe Nation on all your listening devices, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play as well as podcast app and wherever else you listen. Um, make sure to take, check out SouthernScrapNation.com. That's SouthernScrapNation.com. You can check iTunes, SoundCloud, or, sorry, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, SouthernScrapNation. Um, if you want everything else, SouthernScrapNation.com. And that is all. I will see you. I'll be back on Monday to break down what happened this past weekend. So enjoy the fights this weekend. Other than that, be safe and peace.